You may be seated. Will you pray with me, please? Holy One, our strength in suffering and our hope for salvation, lift up your word of life and pour out your spirit of grace so that we may follow faithfully all the way to the cross. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The first Passion reading is from Matthew, chapter 26, verses 36 to 56. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. And then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you could not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for the second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Now the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Look, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Arrest him. At once he came up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you are here to do. And then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Suddenly one of those with Jesus put his hand on his sword, drew it, and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to them, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will die by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled, which say that it must happen this way? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a rebel? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Those who had Jesus arrested took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. But Peter was following at a distance, 
as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards in order to see how this would end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. The high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But Jesus was silent. Then the high priest said to him, I put you under oath before the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? You have now heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, He deserves death. And they spat in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Messiah, who is it that struck you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A female servant came to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before all of them, saying, I do not know what you're talking about. When he went out to the porch, another female servant saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus the Nazarene. Again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to curse. And he swore an oath, I do not know the man. At that moment, the cock crowed. And Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly.
When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus in order to bring about his death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate the governor. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You say so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge. So the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. And so after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Who do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah. For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that innocent man. For today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? All of them said, let him be crucified. Then he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw he could do nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then the people as a whole answered, his blood be on us and our children. So he released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified.
Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand and knelt before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! They spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. After mocking him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink, mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his clothes among themselves by casting lots. And they sat down there and kept watch over him. Over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he wants to. For he said, I am God's Son. The rebels who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, This man is calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran and got a sponge and filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, Wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried out again, and with a loud voice breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and saw what took place, they were terrified and said, Truly, this man was God's son. Let's pray. Lord, you are punctured, no longer divided between inside and out, knowing in your flesh the sharp violence that kills what it fears. Take us through the narrow door from which an endless river flows into a new body, wounded but unafraid. Through Jesus Christ, the passion of God. Amen. I used to think that I understood the cross. In fact, my understanding of the cross was so central to who I was that when it began to crumble, I worried that my entire faith might crumble with it. 
that some forms of faith need to crumble and die if there's any hope of rebirth. And while my faith survived the crumbling of its understanding of the cross, in its place was not some new understanding, but instead mystery, fewer words, more awe. I no longer claim to understand the cross, for as our call to worship states, suffering is not rational. It has no answer. The only sense that I can make out of this night is that somehow in this horrendous state-sponsored violence, Somehow, in this political abuse of power, in this great act of injustice, God makes common cause with human suffering. At Christmas, we celebrate the miracle of God becoming one of us, which is a marvelous and dignifying thing. Long lay the world we sing in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Indeed, you and I have infinite worth. Our value beyond comprehension, for we are made in the image of God, as Genesis tells us. And in the story of Jesus, God makes God's own self into our image. So to be a human being is a glorious thing, a holy and sacred thing. And life is glorious and wonderful. And it is also tragic and traumatic and harrowing. And in the cross we see that God takes the whole of what it means to be human into God's own life, the good, the bad, and the horrifying. And thank God that not all of life is horrifying, but some of it is. And for God to shield God's self from the horror of life would be to distance those parts of ourselves from the divine embrace. But in an act of incomprehensible love. God embraces the horror of humanity too. Grief, betrayal, injustice, scapegoating, shame, physical abuse, mockery, torture, sexual abuse, murder. It's all here. To be held up on display in front of a public, naked, for them to see you and mock you, this is sexual abuse. And while it is awful, it is also part of the human story. This kind of abuse. And God holds the whole of our lives near. God takes the absolute worst that human beings can do into the divine life so that we might know when we suffer these experiences, as awful as they are, that they belong to the awful things that we do, the awful things that are done unto us, None of them can separate us from God. For even our trauma belongs. And if God takes trauma into the divine embrace, then that means that we are never alone. Not even when we feel utterly forsaken. Even forsakenness belongs. 
If we live long enough, all of us will ask Jesus' question, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm sure many of you have asked this question about your own suffering, your own trauma. And that question is not out of bounds. It is not inappropriate. It does not indicate a lack of faith. Because forsakenness belongs to. Your rage, your doubt, your heartbreak, your unbelief, your accusations of God, all of it belongs. But there are no answers. Because suffering is not rational. It has no answer. There is no why. But in the cross, God meets our suffering. Which means there is nowhere you can go. There is nowhere you have been. There is nowhere you will ever be that God is not with you. Amen.
This is the cross that held the Savior of the world. This is the cross that held the Savior of the world. Come, let us worship God. This is the cross that held the Savior of the world. Come, let us worship God. O oh, my people, O oh, my church, what more could I have done for you? Answer me. I led you out of slavery into freedom and delivered you through the waters of rebirth. But you have made a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and vulnerable, holy, immortal God, have mercy upon us. Forty years I led you through the desert, feeding you with manna on the way. I saved you from the time of trial and gave you my body the bread of heaven, but you have made a cross for your Savior. Holy, holy God, God, holy and vulnerable, holy, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. I led you on your way in a pillar of cloud and fire, but you led me to the judgment hall of Pilate. I guided you by the light of the Holy Spirit, but you have made a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and vulnerable, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. I planted you as my fairest vineyard, but you brought forth bitter fruit. I made you branches of the vine and never left your side, but you have made a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and vulnerable, Holy, immortal one, have mercy upon us. I poured out saving water from the rock, but you gave me vinegar to drink. I poured out my life and gave you the new covenant in my blood, but you have made a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and vulnerable, holy, immortal one, have mercy upon us. I gave you a royal scepter, but you gave me a crown of thorns. I gave you the kingdom and crowned you with eternal life, but you have made a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and vulnerable, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. I struck down your enemies, but you struck my head with a reed. I gave you my peace, but you draw the sword in my name, and you have made a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and vulnerable, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. I opened the waters to lead you to the promised land. But you opened my side with a spear. I washed your feet as a sign of my love. But you have made a cross for your Savior. Holy, holy God, God, holy and vulnerable, holy, holy immortal one, have, have mercy, mercy upon us. I lifted you up to the heights, but you lifted me high on the cross. I raised you from death and prepared you for you the tree of life, but you have made a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and vulnerable, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. I grafted you into my people Israel, but you made them scapegoats for your own guilt, and you have made a cross. For your Savior. Holy God, holy and vulnerable, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. I was hungry and you gave me no food, thirsty and you gave me no drink, a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison 
and you did not visit me. And you have made a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and vulnerable, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. Amen. Many women were also there, looking on from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. And when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was himself a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. So Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had honed in the rock, and then rolled a great stone to the door of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember what that imposter said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise again. Therefore, command the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may go and steal him away and tell the people he has been raised from the dead. 
and the last deception would be worse than the first. So Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go and make it as secure as you can. So they went with the guard and made the tomb secure by sealing it with the stone.
It is finished. 